Hi, and thanks for joining me today. And welcome to Teaching and Learning the Lived Experience with me, Lorraine Smith. The title of today's episode is The Lived Experience and Why It Matters. So by the lived experience, I'm really speaking about the here and now, your here and now, what it's actually like to be doing your job in your setting with the colleagues and the children that you work with in this moment in time. We're going to be looking at your experience as a learner. We're going to look at your settings beliefs relating to teaching and learning and that whole process. And we're finally going to consider what your experiences of training and CPD, continual professional development, and its impact on your lived experience. Your experience as a learner. So when we talk about teaching and learning, that's exactly how we talk about it, teaching and then learning. But actually, we were all learners first. So maybe we need to be thinking about teaching and learning as our learning and teaching. And it's possibly better and more useful for us now as educators to think about teaching and learning as a um, reciprocal process, a process of two sides that's actually happening simultaneously. If we think about Vygotsky and the zone of proximal development and the more knowledgeable other, we can see that the more knowledgeable other only needs to be um, a very small stage ahead of the learner. And as such, with the social twos and fros as we grow up with our siblings and cousins and others that we associate with, we all have a role to play as a teacher as well as a learner. And there's different sets of skills and interests and abilities that we demonstrate throughout our lives. At any one time, even now in adulthood, there are certain areas in which we will be the teacher, but there's also lots of areas in which we will be the learner. And we also need to think of ourselves as learners when we train. We have to learn before we can teach. There is a lot of training, of understanding, of ways of thinking, critical thinking, skills, as well as facts and knowledge that we actually have to develop before we can begin to teach. And this is important. This matters, this experience, our experience as a learner, as, as children, and later on when we sit exams and then when we train. It matters because the whole self-concept that you have heavily influences your self-talk. And if you speak negatively to yourself, if you believe that something is a challenge that you cannot overcome or something that is going to be very difficult and very problematic, that mindset can actually hold you back. And as a teacher, if you're experiencing difficulties in certain areas or challenges, in fact, it becomes more difficult to overcome these if your experience as a learner has led you to believe that you are just not good at something. Your experience of your setting. Now, although there's common professional standards, there's common legislation and common expectations, 
how these are experienced in your setting can be very, very different because locally everything is interpreted specific to that setting and the stakeholders, the people that are actually working with you and alongside you. And one of the key issues in settings is the beliefs that are held, the cultures that are held about learning. So if there is a belief in lifelong learning and that simultaneous cycle of learning and teaching, then that is going to give you a much more positive environment in which to develop professionally. And secondly, from a very early age, our ideas of what we're good and not so good at are really constructed socially by comparison with others. And where we feel we rank in terms of ability and skill actually has an emotional toll or an emotional impact on us. So is your setting a setting that identifies the strengths of all their staff? Or is it a setting that identifies and highlights the areas for development, the failings, dare I say it, of the staff that are employed there? And is there that emotional support, that support of encouragement and aiming high and aspiring and a you-can-do-it attitude? That makes all the difference when you're being set targets and when you're actually setting your own aspirations for your own development. Is your setting supportive? And are you able to develop and share your interests and passions in your job? Right from the beginning, as we are learning as infants and throughout formal education, we identify our interests, we find our passions. And obviously, the more we can bring these into our jobs, and the more that we can enjoy that feeling of expertise and share enthusiasm, the more satisfied we're going to be in our jobs and our lived experiences of working there will be so much better and result in a much more positive well-being. And these elements of your setting matter because if there is a concept of a cyclic, lifelong process of teaching and learning, if there is social and emotional support for personal development and professional development, and if there is a real celebration of individuals' interests and passions, then you will find yourself in a safe place to learn and develop, a place where you can take risks, where you don't fear failure. Having that safe space to learn and develop is key to what we provide for our pupils. And if we value that, why would we not provide the same for the adults who live and work within our setting? your experience of training and continual professional development, CPD. So there's a triad of elements, three elements in training and CPD that you will be presented with to a greater or lesser extent. So firstly, some training will focus on knowledge, adding to what you know and communicate that knowledge, those facts to you. 
Other training may focus on understanding. So that's building of concepts. And thirdly, some training will have a main focus of skills, the actual doing and the development of those skills. Now, ideally, training will be focused upon all of those three. So in my opinion, a good training program, a good training session will identify key knowledge, the absolutely need to know elements that will enable you to build your concepts and develop understanding. And then we'll spend at least half of the session looking at skills, looking at the development of skills and having clear steps to take away into practice. And what is essential is that all training, good training, enables the participants so that they can take away something that is right for them as next steps in their particular setting. So it's appropriate to their lived experience. Now, my theory of enablement, if you like, is that primarily it has to have relevance for that lived experience. So whatever training you're receiving, it needs to be relevant to you where you are in terms of your knowledge, understanding and skill set. It has to be relevant to you and the people that you work with, the staff and the children. And it has to be relevant to the setting that you find yourself in. And then after relevance, you need to be given next steps. You need to have a pathway to implementation. So you need to have a signposted what you need to do with this training, how you need to do it, when you need to do it, that time frame, and also true clarity about the order in which you're going to implement that training and that professional development. Everything that leads to pupil outcomes, to the activity of teaching and learning starts with the professional, starts with us as educators. This matters, this is key to us. Looking at lived experience as we've described it, firstly, how we feel about ourselves and our self-talk is absolutely key to how we cope, to our resilience, to how we react to challenge, workload and so on. How we can think about that and develop that is to have what I've called a development partner, but really finding somebody who might just be an equal or a more knowledgeable other in your setting, in your context, who can actually give you positive feedback and guidance. Finding peers to talk to, to share knowledge. Finding peers that can engage in that reciprocal conversation, which is teaching and learning back and forth as equal partners. That is a really good way that you think about and develop your sort of concept and have positive talk or unrealistic talk reflected back to you. In regards to the safe place to learn and develop, think about your experiences as a performance manager or someone who is being performance managed and what those conversations are like. Think about how safe you feel in your setting 
to set yourself aspirational targets. Think about how you might focus on one of your interests or passions and incorporate that into one of the personal targets for you and for your aspirations and for your satisfaction. Think about the CPD opportunities that are provided for you and sort of generic CPD opportunities that are delivered to whole staff. Think about how much they focus on knowledge building, concept building, and to what extent they actually give you a pathway. When you come away from a training activity, do you know what you're going to do next? Have you got something tangible and doable that you can go away and do? And this is really key. At this stage in the year, we've gone through two terms. We really can start thinking about looking forward, evaluating how we've done this year, how we've felt about ourselves this year, how we've engaged in training this year. And we can start thinking about where are we going to go next year? What are our roles and responsibilities going to be next year? What aspirations and targets are we going to set for ourselves? Enter into conversations is my advice with everybody. If you're a manager, talk to everybody about where they want to be and what their aspirations are moving forward. And if you're unsure where you're going to be, then make your thoughts and aspirations known to those who are doing the decision making in terms of allocation of classes and subjects and year groups and timetables and so on. At all times, think about clarification of pathways. Whenever you are put in a situation of training, development of practice, school improvement, really think about clarifying pathways. What actions are expected and from whom? What's a time frame for action? And above all, what are the resources, including time, that are available to do this? Now, when I think back to when I was teaching secondary school and you know, I taught French, which wasn't the most popular subject, and you know, across the subjects, the sort of cliched response from some pupils was, do we need this for the exam? So in other words, if we don't need this for the exam, they're not going to give focus for it. And also, you know, why are we learning? So why are we learning French? I'm not going to go to France. I don't know any French people. So this sort of, you know, if you almost think of the petulant pupil, oh, do we have to do this? Why do we have to do this? Almost adapt some of that in your critical thinking. You know, if you're being trained, if you're being given information, if you're being given actions to do, do ask, obviously in an appropriate way, not the whiny school child way, what do we need this for? Do we need this for compliance? Do we need this in order to meet legislation? Do we need to do this in order to meet our professional standards? Why are we doing this? And if we're clearer about the reasons, then it's much easier to be aligned and buy into um, often complex and time-consuming developments. But always know what the aim is and the reason 
but focus on the next steps. What are you expected to do by when? But what are the resources? How are you being enabled to actually do this? So we've looked at the lived experience and how it matters. It's key to all of us. And just want to finish by outlining how I can help you with your lived experience and and helping it be positive. So first of all, you are invited to join the Teach About Community Network. This is a secure, algorithm-free, ad-free, professional online space. Once inside the Teach About Community Network, you can find others to partner with, to discuss, to get a different point of view from that within your setting and access additional information and learning opportunities that I'll pop in there periodically. Once inside the Teach About Community Network, you will find a separate community network for you to subscribe to to support my channel. For a low monthly contribution, you can access podcast visuals and notes and you'll be able to access a takeaway tool, which this week is focused on the zone of proximal development and the more knowledgeable other. You'll also be able to post questions and get answers from other members and from myself within that space. You've been listening to Teaching and Learning the Lived Experience, sponsored by Teach About and hosted by Lorraine Smith. If you want to find out more about my services, check out the notes to this podcast and my website for details. Links in the podcast descriptions. <music>